0: we got a white hot intro for you today. Uh, I want to talk about the criticism of athletes and where that is headed, because I think we've seen a change. And Danny Cannell, college football, a ton of stuff from him, including the USC job, and we have life advice. Enjoy your Friday. It's Ryan Russillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action right now. You can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever. 18-plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. Modelo knows it's not about whether you win or lose. It's about cheering louder, traveling further. It's about showing up no matter what. Because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. An ice-cold reward. Rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop, delivery, or pickup options near you at ordermedello.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. For today's Open, I've been thinking about this topic and and kind of where this is, is I'm just going to be kind of working this out out loud here. Uh, I've been thinking about this now for a while because I think in the last couple years, things have changed. There's been a lot of things in the last two years that have changed and specifically the way we talk about certain subjects. And specific to what I do, we talk about sports basically every day for a living for almost two decades now. I've noticed that How we criticize athletes, that is being questioned maybe more now than ever. Like I think there's a pushback to certain criticism that there never was when I was younger. I mean, if you just wanted to crush a guy, you could crush a guy. But now if you do it on social media, I also think this is a big part of it too, is that I was talking with a reporter about this. In the past, if you had it out for somebody, you could just trash them and they were kind of at your mercy. And that was a very different dynamic between the relationship between media and then subject. And in this case, for the most part, it's almost always athletes, except for coaches, GMs, right? But for the most part, it is athletes. Um, Now, when the athlete previously was powerless, now the athlete can just go right back at you. And what I've noticed, I think we would all agree, is that there there is this rush to either defend the player from the criticism or go at the reporter. Like Just straight up destroying an athlete now is not cool. And you are going to get blowback. And then the athlete can go back at you. And let's face it, nobody has Rosillo jerseys on at home. Okay. Nobody's got a Colin Cowherd tank top. Although I did think he at some point he had a line of those. But you get the point. Like none of no one of the, none of these people are rooting for us as emotionally as they are rooting for their favorite athletes. So I have noticed a shift in how critical we can be about certain people. Now, if we keep it as a as a right now in a news item, you can look at Carmelo Anthony, who you know I've always really liked. I like him as a guy, I like him as a player. I, he, he probably feels overrated because he, he was kind of marketed as if he lived in that tier one neighborhood of stars and he wasn't those guys. Uh, if you go through all the playoff losses, I've said this numerous times, almost every time he lost in playoffs, he lost a team that was better than him, except for maybe one time and then maybe other time where the teams were even. But I think there's like five or six other playoff exits where like, yeah, that other team was just better than him. All right. I like Mello. Um, but he said recently not having a ring keeps him up at night. Um, he also said in 2016 that if he had three gold medals, that, that would be better than an NBA championship. <laughs> and here's what I can guarantee you. He is, he is well-positioned now with the Lakers to win a ring. I don't think him winning a ring now turns it all into like, hey, were we wrong about Melo? I mean, come on. Let's not be idiots about this. But I don't think Carmelo Anthony, after he would win potentially a championship next year with the Lakers, would be like, you know what, I still like those three gold medals. All right, Because the people that are dismissive of the ultimate accomplishment, a championship in their respective sport... The only people that are diminishing the value of that are the guys that have never done it, right? Russell Westbrook got into with Stephen A. Smith earlier this season after Stephen A. criticized him on first take. I thought Stephen A.'s criticisms were fair. Russell Westbrook, though, put together a really smart, educated response. I'm going to get to that a little bit later. But we've seen this at times where athletes that did not accomplish and it really gets for the nba star and quarterback those are the two things we seem to care the most about that void of a championship and if a guy ends up finishing up a really great 15-year career and then it's like ah you know look it's not the end of the world like i did some great things in my community i did this i started a family and all these things you're like yeah that's cool because nobody in your city's um talk show base nobody was on the air being like this guy's just a great guy though he's a great guy even though we can't get out of the playoffs so you get the point. But I do think that there is this bit of shift, and I don't know where it's going. And that's, I think, it's an unanswerable question right now. I wonder where this is all going because there's been so much support of the athlete. I'm going to use an example that's completely out my comfort outside of my comfort zone in tennis, and that's Naomi Osaka. I would like to think that I'm, I'm not a jerk. Um, I would look at her story and go, man, if she's struggling this way, and she's just withdrawn from all these tournaments because she just can't take it, okay, she needs to do the best thing for her. But I will openly admit there's part of me that would go, okay, but what if she just keeps withdrawing all the time? Like, Does that mean that I, that I would have to defend her? Again, if I were a tennis analyst on TV, that was my thing. Would I have to like stay married to that the whole time? Would I, would I have to like defend her? forever because i defended her in the beginning i mean this is a really delicate thing because you're talking about somebody's mental health and look i don't know her okay i don't know her i don't cover the sport all that but i i think that there's two sides of that where one side is more supportive, but there's also another side be like, okay, but what if, what if this keeps happening all the time? Does it mean that she's always right and that I would always have to defend her? And so when I started thinking about the Osaka situation, I then you know, just finished up the new Netflix doc about Marty Fish. Marty Fish is somebody I've been friendly with over the years, he's been great. He's been greater to me than I've been to him. He's invited me to stuff and I just don't golf, but he's a really good guy. And we have a couple mutual friends and I sent him a text after I watched the doc because it's, it's unbelievable. Here's somebody, who was supposed to be the next big American tennis player. Roddick ends up surpassing him. Marty Fish completely revamps his workouts. It uh, starts winning tournaments. He's the next American hope. He's facing Federer in a slam, and he withdraws because he's been dealing with all of this stuff, this anxiety where his heart is racing. I think one night he woke up in the middle of the night and his heart rate was over 200 beats per minute i mean just insane and he couldn't figure out what's going on inside of him and he's winning some matches and he has to face federer and he's freaking out about it and his wife's like you know you don't have to play and he's like what do you mean i don't have to play if i were a tennis analyst at that time when that happened without of course knowing any of the stuff that marty fish is struggling with then i just would have been like well you know i don't know what i would have been like on tv but i probably would have been like look you gotta answer the bell you know, this is what you do. This is what you signed up for. This is why you went through and trained your entire life and went to these schools and these camps and all of this. Like everything is for this moment. Even if you don't think you're, you know, you got to go out there and do this. And now, armed with more information, years later, watching the documentary, I'm like, man, you know, what I've been like retroactively criticized for being critical of somebody that I didn't know anything about. So the Marty Fish doc. And again, it's not like I'm talking about Osaka all the time, but you get the point. Like you go, hey, you know, th- maybe there's some caution here. But now, as it relates to the sports that I talk about, I think we've seen the Kwame Brown example is is a really good kind of. I don't know if it's a tipping point or if it's a line in the timeline of of how people talk about other public figures in sports. But Kwame Brown is a bust. All right, he is. He just is. He's the number one overall pick. Jordan took him for the Wizards straight out of high school when they were still doing that. We're going to start doing it again here soon. Um, it didn't work out, but then Kwame Brown, like went at dudes, he was going at everybody. We were seeing the videos and like, I actually think dudes got a little scared of him at that time. But the way we all understand the definition of bust, he is that, you know, he had a long career and yet I don't think anybody would say, Hey, that worked out to the expectations that you have for somebody like that. And, you know, then, then it became kind of this public push. And again, it was on social media where it then became like, hey, who are you to criticize Kwame Brown? Man played 13, 14 years, made $63 million. It's not his fault. He was taken number one. And it was weird because I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Because like, this is how it's going to be in a few years. Like, are we ever going to get to that point where we start kind of rationalizing people that don't live up to the sports expectations that we have of them, that now we're going to start looking at these other things and being like, hey, 63 million, you know, played over a decade wasn't his fault he was number 1. Like is is that what the future of this will be? Will we be so protective? Will we be so sensitive to potential criticism that you could have guys that do what I do for a living or all the different people on different television shows start talking about athletes this way to avoid seeming unfair or too critical. Um you know, like I said, I don't I don't love spending my entire professional life talking about people that are better at things than I am. Um, I guess the counterpoint to that could be, at least I'm getting paid for it. Um, I know, as I've said numerous times, I never played a game that anyone ever cared about. Right? I'd like to think after almost 20 years in the business, on the air since 0203, and I don't know how many thousands of hours of watching these games, and all the years of watching games going back to like seven years old, that I hope I picked up a few things. (laughs) I'd like to think that some of this comes from some wealth of information through observation of decades and reading and all the pages that are put together and like, hey, if I'm going to be critical of somebody, I'd like to think that there's some foundation of knowledge or understanding of what it is that I'm watching, because that would be really frustrating if I just didn't know anything after all this time. And I know that there's always going to be a guy that will say like, who are you to criticize anyone you never played? Look, I just told you I never played. But like, who are you guy part time at Cumbies with 100,000 political tweets? Like, where is your career going that will lead to potential elected official one day? So we all talk about stuff, whether for our jobs or in our free time, we all talk about stuff that is probably not our profession. I want to get to Russell Westbrook's comments after Stephen A. Smith. Now, Stephen A. was like, look, the triple-doubles don't mean anything. He goes, you can't win. All right, can't win. There we go again. Can't win. Triple-doubles don't mean anything. I have been critical of Russell Westbrook because I just think there are times that he makes monumental mistakes at the ends of games, uh, especially with some of the defensive freelancing. Lakers fans, you'll get to see it firsthand. Uh, Enjoy, because I don't think that's ever going to change. Now, it sounds like I'm being mean, and being critical. Now, Russell Westbrook, said in response to Stephen A, and it was a really thoughtful, um, smart response. And I'll paraphrase it a little bit, but he's like, look, I'm an NBA champion just by making it to the NBA. "Mm, Okay. He said, my legacy is not based on what I do on this court. Okay. And he's done a ton for communities. He's done a ton for underserved communities. These are all facts. He's done some amazing stuff and he points those things out. But for what we do, are we ever going to be to the point where somebody's arguing with Russell Westbrook on a TV show and they're like, you know, look, you made a mistake in the playoffs. You know, that's the cost him game five. It's Lakers are down three, two. Is somebody then supposed to go, do you understand what this man has done for his community? I can't imagine that that's ever going to happen. And I can't imagine that any of you would want it to get to that point because that's not really what the job is for me. And it's not really what the job is for any athlete that's trying to accomplish the ultimate goal like think about it in your own life like think if you and i I know you know plenty of people listen to this podcast if you're a guy who runs a sales team right and there's 10 people on it doug's in 10th place all the time you know you're setting sales markers that you want people to get to doug never hits them would you, would you have a six-month review with Doug where you're like, you know, look, I know you're, you're last literally all the time. You're the worst salesperson we have on the staff, but you're a hell of a dad. You're a hell of a dad, so that's good enough for me. Now, it depends on what you're pushing here, but for the most part, you know, if you ran that sales team, Doug's going to have some, some tough days ahead if he's always last. Look, it happens for me in my business. You think if I were at ESPN for a couple years ago, hey, you know, he's just a solid guy. You get to know him as Rossillo. Can't pull a number to save his life and his billings last of any radio show, but I just like him. Although I'd argue maybe some decisions are made that way. Um, if you do what I do long enough, at some point, you're going to have to pull a number, get an audience and pay the bills. And nobody would say, you know, <laughs> no one listens. We lose money on the deal, but he does a lot for his sisters. Because none of you give a shit about that. It's nice if I did. It's nice if all of these athletes were at peace because of the things that they do outside. Think of it this way. If you're a college football fan and your team came in third in the division, do you care about graduation rights? Do you really? It's nice. It's nice. Like imagine talking about David Shaw and you're on a college football show and somebody goes, that's Stanford regressing. You're like, I, I don't know. But have you seen the team's GPA? We can pretend all of these things matter. And yes, they do. So I'm not being dismissive. But for the rules, as I like to reference all the time, these are the rules. For the rules for what we do when they play and reach certain levels or don't, and for what we do on the other side and talk about these guys, as much as I've seen it change and this slight shift, I don't think in five years we're going to be so supportive of all the stuff that has nothing to do with results of games that the criticism is going to become overhauled.
1: This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. Ease. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere
0: in the hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. You know what I hate? Hate is after lunch, there's all this time before dinner. I hate it. So I'm always like, do I do this? It's like you should gain season, throw in a little something extra, an appetizer that just starts hours before dinner. It just gets so frustrating when there aren't great options. That's where Arby's new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps come in. Available in your choice of ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for that afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Food Buddies. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on
2: the Arby's app.
0: Danny Cannell. Former partner now with CBS, and also doing what the ESPNU Morning Show again. Correct?
2: Yeah, me and Dusty Dvorak, seven to ten AM, Channel eighty four. New there partner, man. I'm I'm rolling through these partners, man. Like, what's up with you? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the jinx. Like, I, I should just avoid people like the plague. It's something I'm rolling through them though. But Dusty's a good dude. He's a good dude. We're having fun.
0: Yeah, I enjoyed coming on. Uh, what last Friday? I think I yeah. came on. And that's a great way to play, place to start because you're like, hey, Ohio State, Oregon. You're like, well, look, you know, Ohio State's at home. Oregon didn't look great in their opener. I'm not sure what to make Anthony Brown. I watched him for all those years at BC. They're missing Kayvon Thibodeau, Justin Flo, who's another five star uh, front guy who's out now out for the season. So I don't know what's gonna happen with Kayvon. And then they go to Ohio State. How about this number? There's been only one top five team to lose at home versus a non conference. Now, so granted, Oregon's a good team. Only one team has done it in the last 10 years and Ohio state's done it twice. Now the other time was 17 against a really good Oklahoma team. So that sounds way worse than it is when it's like, Hey, you're actually losing some good teams. I think a couple of things stood out, take it wherever you want to go. The physicality, Ohio state trying to figure out this defense And, and Brown, you know, he's a big dude. I think he, he got. He was. He was pretty good throughout. Verdell was really good. I love him at running back. I think he got maybe a little bit more rattled there towards the end. But I think the bigger issue is Ohio State puts up 612 yards in the ground, and they lose that game because of the defense right now.
2: Yeah, that was the surprise to me. Uh, I mean, there was a couple surprises. One, if you would have said Thibodeau's not playing, I would have said no chance. Like they're, they're done. And then he's out there, you know, cheering from the sidelines, not taking the field, and you're like, whoa, this is happening without him. It's, it felt similar, and I think there's some backlash coming, too. Remember the LSU-Mississippi State game last year and Bo Pelini refused to make any adjustments, and they, you know, Mississippi State's just throwing all over, and you're like, oh, Mike Leach is going to tear apart the SEC. And then you go back and watch the tape, and you're like, oh, wait a second. Bo Pelini <laughs> just sat in the same defense all day and didn't make any adjustments? It feels like that's what's been happening at Ohio State with Kerry Coombs running the defense, and they're playing a ton of cover three and a ton of man. And not a lot. So that's basically it's a single high safety look. And the variation off is, is they're running man underneath with the single safety, or they're just playing cover three zone and they're mixing it up a little bit. But Joe Moorhead was on it. He's watched them all last year. And I, there's a part of me that probably is thinking Joe Moorhead during that game is like, oh my gosh, they're not going to make any more adjustments. They're not going to throw us any looks. They kept running into the boundary and were just gashing them. And you saw no response from Ohio State, which is why I think Brian Day has alluded today to some of the you know, uh, staff adjustments maybe taking place, and maybe we'll find out more information about that. But last year, Ohio State had an excuse. I was like, oh, COVID, short offseason, no spring, new defensive coordinator. You don't have time to implement a lot of strategy, a lot of new looks, time to mix it up so you can disguise. But you had a whole offseason this year. And you went out there and did the same thing that you did all last year that everybody kind of gave you a pass for. I was like, well, they're getting torched because they're just very basic. Well, they were basic once again this year. And I think they have to make massive changes. And I think the other thing that's dramatically missing is there's not a Bosa brother. There's not a Chase Young. There's not a game changer. On the defensive line that can really wreak havoc on, you know, an an opponent and credit to the Ducks, man. This shouldn't be that much of a surprise, though. Mario Cristobal, offensive line coach, you know, offensive line mentality, physical. Good for him, man. Huge win for the Pac-12.
0: Yeah, I want to expand it out to the Pac-12. I'll stay with it with Ohio State a little bit more. It's funny, though, too, when you think about that LSU game. Can you remember the Mississippi State quarterback from that game? Yeah, it was KJ Costello, right? Yeah, six hundred and twenty three yards, Heisman front runner, maybe a first rounder, benched <laughs> later that season, undrafted, was waived by the Chargers in August. Um mm. that was that was quite a run for for KJ Costello. I had uh, some
2: I had some fun tweeting during that game. I'm just gonna say. <laughs> no, I know. We'll get to we'll get
0: to some of your tweets based on UCLA a little bit later. Yeah. Uh Kerry Coombs, the D coordinator, you mentioned him. He's never been a coordinator before last year. And that single high safety thing that Day has talked about, like this is what we want. And now, look, I don't know what's fair or not. I don't pretend to understand the defensive schemes the way you would see them. Day's, I almost, look, at some point you're going to have a part of your team that isn't up to the standard, right? And I don't care who you are. Maybe Clemson will struggle on offense. I don't really think that's going to happen this year because I like DJ, but you get the point. And so now Day has to like answer for, hey, are you going to fire this guy? Are you going to reshuffle your defensive your staffing even though there's not a lot of experience with this staff of guys actually calling plays do you think can you tell already enough because you know the stats for this year i don't want to hear about i mean they played two they played a really good oregon team and a minnesota team that's that's not a slouch uh the stats are going to get better their next couple games before they get back in a big 10 play but can you see a scheme that doesn't match personnel like do you see that where maybe it's Oregon running plays where it felt like that guy could sit down in the middle of whatever the coverage is in front of the safety. And that throw was there for him all the time. And he like kind of took it away from him. But what, at that point felt a little too late. I'm, I'm curious, you know, through the vision of the way you see the game, do you see these happening where you're like, Hey, look, you can play the single high safety, but this is not working.
2: It's been done before. I mean, the Legion of Boom in Seattle, they were an unbelievable cover three team, right? I mean, that's what Richard Sherman gets trolled by every defensive back in the country, you know, that wants to say they're as good as him and say, well, yeah, I could have played in that cover three because it's pretty simplistic. You have help with the safety over the top. You're in zone. You don't have to chase the best receivers across the middle. So it can be done. But I do think the missing piece up front, like it's, you got to have pressure up front To really impose this, uh, uh, you know, to to try to shut down the run attack, I mean, they got pushed around up front. And the thing about it, cover three, is there's a you know single high safety, whether it's the free safety or the strong safety, and you can mix them, you can match, but it's supposed to be a good defense against the run. Like you're getting an extra guy up in the box, and you have three deep, the safety and the two corners have the thirds across the back, but you have more run support. That to me is what should be concerning. Is that you couldn't get off the field running that defense. You couldn't stop the run doing that. So that, to me, is the bigger problem. I, you know, personnel, I just think you've got to, I think the personnel, I mean, this team, I mean, they look at the recruiting rankings, but, you know, like there was a lot expected of Jack Sawyer, a true freshman, but for him to come in and, you know, he's been all right. Haskell Garrett's been Okay but they just have not had, again, that Bosa brother-type player, the Chase Young impact uh, impact player. And when we talk about the championship teams, what do we talk about? When we look at Georgia, defensive front, right? I mean, that's always the SEC difference, right? And Clemson, of course, has some dudes up there too. It's the defensive line play. And for me, that is a part of the issue. And if they're not wreaking havoc, it is very easy to start picking apart simplistic, you know, single high safety look every time, whether it's in the run game or the pass game. I mean, every most passing concepts are built off. All right. There's one safety, single high safety. I'm going to work this side of the field. If there's two safeties, I'm working this side of the field. And if you are getting majority of single high safety, you kind of know which side you're working already. And then you can work mirrored routes because you can work either side. You start taking your pick. So I think it's a problem for Ohio State. Like, I think they're going to have to look at the personnel, say, we are not getting the game changing, like wreaking havoc type of play up front where we need to start bringing pressure. We need to start bringing, you know, safeties up, bringing, you know, and bringing backers, bringing blitz, bringing pressure, something apart from what they were doing in that game. Cause it's just not working. This Minnesota was running the ball all over them too before Ibrahim you know, got hurt as well. I mean, he was torching them, too. So it wasn't like, oh, this is, you know, just Oregon. They were getting shredded by them, too.
0: Oregon's the most talented team in the Pac-12. The recruiting rankings would back it up. Uh, I think that's what everybody kind of expected here, but we also expected the other team to be USC. We can get to UCLA here in a moment here. (laughs) I think overall, if you look at the depth of the Pac-12, it's been a bad start. I mean, the Pac-12 North performance in the first week, you're like, what the hell is going on here? And then last week, you know, preseason ranked teams in Utah, you know, BYU beat them up. Washington, Michigan, it wasn't even close. You would have thought Washington looked like a, a, a group of five team with the way they matched against Wolverines who we still probably are not 100% sure about. And then you have the SC part of this. All right. I, you know, it's crazy to think Clay Helton, this was his seventh season. You know, he even had an interim head coach at moment there, too. Like I live out here. No one liked him as the head coach. They like him as the guy. That's fine. He's a nice guy. And now the pieces are coming out. He wanted to be everybody's friend. There's no accountability, all this different stuff. All the alums were like over him for a couple of years. How good do you think this job is now?
2: You know, it's funny because I was talking about it on my morning show and was kicking it around was like, it's not what it used to be. You know, I think there's some similar, I mean, Florida State had a rude awakening when the jobs open. They move on from Willie Taggart, and you have some delusional fans who are like, "Oh, go get Bob Stoops, or go get whoever you can get. You know, maybe we should bring in Urban Meyer. Like, who cares if he goes to Florida?" And I'm, I'm thinking, wait a second, this isn't the program that it was a decade ago. Like, this is, this is a massive rebuild. But and I kind of had that feeling about USC. But then it, you know, it was funny. I was talking to Rick Neuheisel. Who, you know, played at UCLA, coached at UCLA, and he was big on no, it's it's a top job in the country. It's the best country. You could build Alabama West if you do it right. And you start thinking about it, you're like, all right, you could, you're the anchor in California. If you can just get back to owning the state, that is a talent-rich state, right? You've got you've got talent all over the place. Yes, you'd have to go against UCLA, but they've never really been able to overtake USC. Yes, you'd have to go against Oregon, but at least you can sell them on. Hey, you can stay closer to home in your backyard. Maybe you can dip into Texas. It still does have a lot of attractive, uh, attractive features to it. You get to live in LA, and then I think maybe the most attractive thing about it—you got to beat Oregon. Like who else? You know, and I know Chip's doing a great job, but right now, like you should be able to get this thing turned around pretty quickly. You should be able to win division titles and play Oregon or Washington from the north and even with Oregon with Mario Cristobal is doing a great job but it's not like he just has everything on lockdown and just owns the Pac12 so there's an opportunity there for you to win conference championships get in the playoffs and carry your conference. So I think it is a top job even though it was kind of down on it you stack and you take a 30,000 you know foot perspective. All right, where is it located? What's your competition to go through? perception, history, all the things that you look for, facilities, weather, like the facilities, I'm curious, you probably have had more experience in the facilities than me. I've been there a couple of times, you know, on bus tours, rolled through them. I'm not a big facility guy. Like I don't I don't need to see a waterfall in the bathroom. I don't, you know, in the, in the locker room. I don't need to see an indoor practice facility, especially in LA when it doesn't rain much. But like everything looked adequate to me. Like, you know, like it looked like that shouldn't be something that prohibits you from recruiting. So it has all the pieces. Like, why wouldn't it be top three?
0: I've talked to a few different programs about the NIL, which you know other people have stated is just, hey, cheating's legal now, all right? Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any reason now with the NIL that the USC job can't be a top five job. And if I were running one of these programs on top of however aggressive I could be with recruiting now, I would want brand managers. I, want, I would want people that have been making six figures and I'd pay them double that are doing stuff with Instagram and building these... I know this sounds stupid, but people on tick, like I would be going after them to bring them in and then be having them sell their message to recruits and being like, if you can do whatever you think you're capable of as a brand, which again, we know there's going to be a big correction after a couple of years of some boosters being like, how much money did I give away? Like what's, what's, what was, was this really worth it? Okay. Not that it hasn't happened previously, but there will be some kind of correction, even though I'm happy these kids are getting extra money. Um, to if you're if you're about that right if you're a top five star kid and you're tweeting constantly and you're sending out videos and you're like hey I've narrowed it down to my final thirteen and you live off of that attention, then you need to if you're USC be talking about LA being the backdrop to your not only football experience but all whatever even if it's not accurate and even if you're not gonna like there's no reason why you shouldn't be making that like as big a part of the selling point on top of maybe playing in the NFL one day. And you've got to have a guy that has that kind of energy and that kind of vision to come in and to do it because, look, let's not kid ourselves. The schools that are picking off the kids, the really good kids from California, they were a little, let's just say, more aggressive in their recruiting. And USC, clearly, with everything they've gone through, wasn't willing to be as aggressive and if you want to read between the lines read bruce feldman's piece going back to this summary i apologize did it with another writer with the athletic where they were talking to all these different coaches about the state of california and the recruiting and they're like look this is no see like we're losing a lot of in-state guys here because we're not doing business the way other people are being doing business now you don't have to worry about any of that stuff anymore so i think with that I mean, if they can't look, they may not get the name right or whatever, but the opportunity they are positioned even better now to keep talent in state, which they've not been
2: doing a good job of just pays more Um, when you (laughs) look at the opportunity they would have in Hollywood alone. Like, you know, if they had the movie industry, there's no show like Entourage now, but remember Entourage was on and they had all the star cameos. They had every celebrity. Were you in it? What season were you in it? (laughs) <laughs> no, I missed that. I was too busy. I think I was busy in the weight room, but I couldn't shoot that day. I was too focused on the career. Just think uh, though, if you had been with the
0: Giants, yeah. if you were a starter with the Giants and entourage was going on at the same time, a,
2: you would have yeah. been in. Yeah, there could have been a scene written in there. But think about that cell alone for today's high schooler to be a part of some show, some movie, some aspect of Hollywood that you could tie in, say this is in our backyard and we can pay you to do these scenes in the off season. It'd be insane. Is uh, is is the Rock show still going? Like that one would be perfect. Like he would be all over that right now. Yeah, I do think that those things
0: are always overblown. It wouldn't. I'm I'm with you. I'd be selling it, but I don't know how well. Cash is king. Yeah, because you know how many guys go out to the Lakers thinking that they're going to be some huge star. Like Dwight right. Howard thought he was going to be like really be in movies. It's like actually nobody likes you and you're weird. So I don't I don't know that you're going to be a star of any of these movies you want to be in. And a lot of times too, it's like with the basketball guys. But cool, you're seven one. What do you want to play? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like we're not going to be able to cast you for a new version of Friends, dude. It's just it's not going to work. Uh, all right. You told me before this you have a philosophical shift that I'd be surprised about. Does this segue into this then? Or yeah. Is it something completely different.
2: No, I do think it does. Uh, I think I think it transitions perfectly. So the last time I was on here and you know me, we've talked a lot about this and this offseason has been such a major topic about NIL, where we're going with the sport, the concern of it. And the last time we were, I was on with you, you asked me you know, when, like there's enough money to go around. You're like, because that was the thing. It was always like, well, there's numbers. You can fudge the numbers and is there enough money to go around for everybody? And you were like, there's enough money. I agree. I think with nil, in a large part, this was kind of, this is kind of trying to solve the problem of the same four teams in the playoff since it's began, right? There's only the same four teams. We need parity. We want to break this thing up somehow. How are we going to do it? I'm looking twenty years in the future. I'm seeing what Brett Kavanaugh said, the Supreme Court justice in Austin versus the NCA, when he basically opened up the door. Said what's been going on in college football is wrong. You cannot control the wages anymore. You can't any other business. This is illegal. He opened up the door. So I'm all in. Let's go all in. We're already minor league football. We're already minor league NFL. We have free agency. We have NIL. Um, you know, we've got all those pieces where it looks kind of like it. Let's just go all the way. Like, and and then you want, you want parity. Like you want to see new players at the, at the table, new seats at the table. Let's go ahead. Let's make them employees. Let's get them a union. Let's get them a portion of the revenue. And you know what else let's get? Let's have a draft. Let's have a cap salary cap. And let's, let's go ahead and overhaul the sport. Like if we're going to, I'm all in, like I'm done. Like, because you want a draft now. Yeah. I'm all in like, Hey, you guys wanted this. You guys wanted this school optional, like who cares? You want to agree? Like, sure, go ahead. But that's going to be like the 20 hour rule is going to be, you're only allowed to go to school for 20 hours. The rest of the day, you're going to be working. But like, if we're going to go this way and it does feel like we're getting there. And I think that's where Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, I think he's playing light years ahead because I think he's trying to get more aggressive. It's why he was willing to add Oklahoma and Texas. They know what's coming, so they want to have the most marketable product out there, so they can get the best media rights deal. So then, when they have to start spreading the money around to the players, they have the biggest, the biggest pie. That's the term they always use in the NFLPA, like the portions of the pie. They want the biggest pie available. So if you start have to pay the players. You have more money to give it to them. Let's get there. Like let's just get there. Does
0: that mean UConn? UConn would get the first pick? Because I don't like this idea. <laughs>
2: Well, it might be Vanderbilt. like in reality, like it might be worst of the SEC. That's where I, I, I worry about the future of the game, but we're going there. Like whether we like it or not. So if we're tired of seeing and basically I had this epiphany during Alabama just rolling through Miami. I took the under eleven and a half wins thinking, surely they're gonna have a little bit, just a little bit of regression. And I didn't think Miami would beat them. I thought maybe it would be in College Station against Texas A&M, maybe LSU, maybe on the road against Auburn. They're going to run the table again. Like, it's just because they have the most talent. That's why I told my Miami Hurricanes friends, who are diehard Hurricanes friends, I'm like, you guys don't have a chance. It is not a fair fight. And for 11 teams, maybe 12 that play Alabama every year, it's not a fair fight. You know what's a fair fight? The NFL. Like, it's a fair fight every single weekend. Rosters are marginally better or marginally worse, and the difference from the Kansas City Chiefs to the Jacksonville Jaguars as bad as they look. It's not that great of a difference. Like, I'm done. I still go. look.
0: The, the lack of parity is frustrating for everybody. Um, people are going to be more mad about it because basically that means all these other teams I think they have a chance don't have a chance after watching Bama the first couple of weeks. Um, I, I still like to believe in the idea of surprises. Twenty of twenty-eight spots going to those four teams is absurd. I don't think that's normal. I don't think it would continue, but maybe it would. I don't, I mean, what you're talking about would bring all sorts of parody. I think you're blowing it up a little bit more, but the NIL thing, it, I, I, swear, I think the NCAA is given up a bit where they're just like, I don't think they I actually think after the Nevin Shapiro thing, they kind of were like, all right, so we had this guy dead to rights and we fucked this one up too. It's like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, what are we doing here? And, When some of the recruiting stuff is based around, you know, before the NIL, it's like, okay, well, how, how do how do some of these stories work? And you would hear about like, well, the relative gets the job with whatever booster runs some company, big company there. And then what's the NCAA going to do? Tell somebody they're not qualified for a hundred thousand dollar a year job because of their education. Like, good luck with that because you're not going to be able to prove it, um, I think the NIL is the best way the NCAA could say, hey, here's all this extra money now, and you still can't have any of ours.
2: <laughs> yes. That's, <laughs> that's why why really what this it was. Absolutely. And that's why I thought it was the compromise because I really don't want to see players become employees. I really don't. Because I think, I mean, playing in the NFL was the shock to the system of it is a job. You're no longer like guys are not passionate. There's a few I get that love the game of football. But it's like, what's the score? Who cares? Give me my check. Like, you, get on the, you go on the plane. I'll never forget, on the Giants, we went on the road. When we walked back on the plane, the guy was there, like the, the, the payroll guy. And he had all these envelopes. And be like, here's – and alphabetically, like, here, Canel, here's yours. You get your paycheck. And then you walk by Wellington Merritt, who's the owner of the team. And I look at him, like, just like this look of disgust. Like, I can't <laughs> believe you have to cash that check after that performance. You know, and then after a good game, it's like, yeah, go spend that money. Like it was a weird atmosphere, but you lose a game. Doesn't matter. Just give me my paycheck. And you also you're you think like players think now they're chewed up and spit out in the college world. Wait till you wait till you get cut. Wait till you start paying for a true paycheck as an employee and they don't have to honor your scholarship. Like that's the kind of I don't want that to happen. And i my my philosophical shift is clearly a little bit hyperbolic, but it's kind of where we're headed. The NIL thing, I kind of was a little bit hopeful, and granted, it's the first year. I was a little bit hopeful that maybe you'd see a program that was kind of on the outside, like maybe an I or Nebraska. Nebraska's rabid fan base, you know, deep along, like deep boosters. They sell out all the time. Maybe they would be a team, a a program that would have somebody step up or a group of people step up, say, you know what? We're tired. We're tired of, you know, not being the team we were in the nineties. Here's $10 million. Go buy us the best roster, you know, best, best four and five stars. Let's go lock it up. Maybe that happens, but what we've seen transpire early, what are the biggest deals we've seen? At Clemson, at Alabama, at Ohio State, like at the usual suspects. So, like, I don't. That's think the problem. It's just change. yeah, just
0: no. You're right because I mean, if Nebraska says, "Hey, here's ten million to go get players that we didn't have here before," whoever you were going to pay the most, you'd have to pay him like five times what those other programs are going to give him, and then you start saying like, "This is ridiculous." And right? I, you know, I talked to one guy. It Was like, imagine if you get a recruit wrong in the previous regime. It's like, all right, we got this four star guy. He was wrong. But now if you're staff and you're telling the guy like, hey, you got to write a check for this kid and then you're wrong. Right. It's like it's like a totally different, it's a totally different deal. It's just like, hey, we're talking seven figures to this guy. We're locking him up and then you're wrong about it. I mean, you thought you thought the job was tough before. Uh,
2: do you know, do you know real quick? This last thing on NIL, do you know the thing that's hilarious about this? The NCAA is like, well, the one thing we're not going to allow is this is not going to be for recruiting. Like we're gonna look we're gonna let this go, but this is this is not pay for play. And then we've seen all these deals and nobody's like, Yep, well, this is what it's gonna be. So I just think that's hilarious. Dan C was still like trying to go to their grave saying this is not gonna be about recruiting, and that's all this is about.
0: That's like the Alliance memo that made it out in the bullet points. It was like, you know, gender equality, and then it was it was all of these things and like the eighth one. Academics.
3: Was- Yeah. Yeah, And
0: the eighth one was like an ability to increase our television revenue. You just go, (laughs) you know, but I don't know. Look, I think the society's conditioned to like fake. And that's what people think everybody wants. And it's better to say all of these things that no one thinks is true, but we consume it better because we just kept straight out and said, Hey, it's just about the money. Then they get crushed by that, by, by the crowd. That's like, Hey, we already know what it's about. You know, I think what you're saying here, I don't want to get too derailed on this. because There's still some other college football stuff that I want to talk about. I know you and This is you telling everybody that hated the NCAA, hated the college athletic structure that you're like, okay, you wanted it all. Here you go. And I don't want that button to be pressed. I just don't. I think there's a way that I think football maybe could just become its own thing where it's still aligned with the schools and you just let them do whatever they want. I mean, it was close to that happening already um, and whatever things you want to have in place for the NCAA. Dana O'Neill was writing about this this week, the athletic, and it was really good. It might be a little boring for some people, but she was digging through the entire rule book. And you can find all sorts of stuff in there that doesn't make any sense. But they've got to revamp this whole thing. But then after the fact, you're like, okay, what does it matter? I know you've talked about uh, commissioner. It, commissioner would be just as irrelevant as the president of the NCAA at this point. Because this, the school presidents and the commissioners of the conferences aren't going to listen to that guy either. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. All right, let's 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 get back to some more on-the-field stuff. Iowa. Those yeah. That know, Are you know, ready?
3: Hey, it's happening this, again. It's happening again. Yeah,
0: but this team, my biggest thing with Iowa that year was the resume. And I look, I admit part of my flaw was I couldn't get over that Wisconsin win when they shouldn't have won that game. And I'm like, wait, you want this team playing for the national title? After they lost to Michigan State, I felt like, you know what? They were a little better than I thought. The resume still wasn't even close. You were arguing for the football playoff because you just wanted to fuck with me the whole season. That's fine. (laughs) But they are defensively really solid. I think their one-two punch, the quarterback running back deal is is good enough. I don't know that I'm ready to pick them against Ohio State in a Big Ten championship game, but where are you right now with the Hawkeyes?
2: I was so glad you brought them up because I think we're going to see 2015, right? It was 2015 when they ran the table, lost to Michigan State. I think we're going to see it all over again. Did you see? (laughs) Yeah, but
0: this is more impressive. This is two ranked teams to start the season. They've held them to 23 points. I'm telling you, throughout that Iowa run, there wasn't, the resume and look. The Wisconsin game was so ugly that yes, I I couldn't help because most people I guarantee that I was arguing with didn't watch a three-hour Iowa Wisconsin game the noon kickoff that day. Do you realize?
2: Do you realize they got outgamed against Iowa State, three hundred and thirty-nine to one hundred and seventy-three? Like, yeah, but is, that's also the turnovers. Is, yes, for absolutely it is. I just feel like this is going to be a team that everyone's going to hate. They're going to be like. Like I don't want to see these guys go against Alabama and I don't blame them. Like it is not pretty. So at some point, like kudos to the AP who gave them the massive jump and put them at five, but are they going to have the balls to drop them down at all? Because they play Kent state, Colorado state, Maryland before they play Penn state. Hey, Penn state, if they beat Penn state, like I think Penn state's
0: good, not great, but I really like their physicality. You know, there was there were certain things in that Wisconsin game I didn't like. I but Clifford was better in the second week again against a lesser opponent. There's some stuff there with Penn State where I feel like that's a nice win, man.
2: I do too. And the resume will be okay, but I just envision a scenario where like if the conversation becomes Alabama, Georgia, Oregon, you know, and, and let's say Alabama beats Georgia in a bloodbath like, you know, like a close game. Oregon wins the Pac-12 and Oklahoma's in as a lock. Like, Iowa's going to be that team that if they get there, no one's going to want to see get in. And I wouldn't blame them. And I think it's going to be eerily reminiscent of that year. Like They're just not pretty. But, man, they play incredible defense. They run the football. I mean, it's like a great 1995 team, right? But it's 2021 where you have to be more balanced.
0: If they beat Penn State, let's see where Wisconsin is when they play them uh, at the end of October. And they beat Ohio State—that's different. You know, you know, like you brought up a good point though, and it's it's kind of like the fine bomb thing that drives me crazy. Where it's like, I don't want to see Oklahoma in the playoff again. You're like, you know what? If they're one of the four teams with the best resume, they're in. I don't care. I don't want to hear about how it looked before. And the same thing will happen to Notre Dame. Oh, I don't want to see Notre Dame again. And clearly, he's not the only voice saying these things. The playoff, and I, don't, I I don't think the committee's influenced by this, but our discussions about it should never be influenced of like, oh, that's going to be terrible. It's like, okay, but were you there? Like, were you there at the end of the season winning your conference championship, if that's the way it lines up, to be one of the clear four teams that should be voted into the playoff? And if you are and you don't like the matchup, it doesn't mean like, hey, you know what, I think A&M would be a better matchup. Like, people that argue that kind of stuff, And granted, look, A&M's got some issues because Haynes King, who was clearly the better quarterback compared to Calzado, um he got crunched three different I didn't know how what was hurt most his neck his other leg or the right leg which is broken I guess and he's going to be out for some time Calzado who lost the starting job or lost the competition for the starting job I think we saw why he was all over the place in that Colorado game and you know the defense is going to be there for a because they're talented I actually like their running backs I, I like their tight end um but you know, the A&M thing will be weird if they if they coast for a while. But look, they'll, they'll have to answer for it at some point when they play Bama, so we'll find out for real. But it'd be weird if A&M were a one-loss team, then not in the conference championship, if, if Bama runs the table 12-0, how the Colorado thing will be looked at. And it probably won't matter at all. Um, And then if Haynes King is back, then they'll just say, well, whatever, Calzado played that game. So I'm already kind of like projecting all the different things that I know you have a lot of angst about but I'm actually happy that two weeks in I think we are in this shuffling stage where Iowa State's probably out because they're going to beat Oklahoma twice but the Big 12 still in it I think the Pac-12 feels stronger at the top with two teams that have a chance are going to play each other in Oregon and UCLA in October um, the ACC Clemson's is probably going to roll through these teams I would think unless they're flawed and we haven't really quite seen it yet and you know the Georgia game whatever but I'm I'm at least open to the shuffling of some of these conferences outside of what we're seeing in Bama right now.
2: I love it. Like uh, that was one of my takes from the weekend, and it's always been kind of like if and if you remove Alabama and maybe Georgia, like how crazy? Maybe would, how, how much? Right, right. We don't you know, know for sure yet. Right. We the don't. The problem know for is sure Georgia's
0: schedule. Like it's like know, whatever.
2: We'll see. And right. by
0: the way, Florida, the the backup QB behind Emory Jones, Richardson. Did you see him this weekend? Mm -hmm. And now I know he had the hamstring. I don't know what his status is going to be. I
2: saw AR-15 trending and I was like, oh no, not another like, you know, a bad Number 15, the quarterback, that's his nickname for the Gators. He needs to be starting like today. And I think Dan Mullen, he reiterated that the quarterback was going to be Emory Jones versus Alabama. I think it's only because they're playing Alabama. I think if, Florida was playing anybody else, he would make the switch. I don't think he wants to throw a young quarterback to the Wolves just yet. But I think sooner rather than later, like by the Georgia game, I think Anthony Richardson is your quarterback for the Gators. I don't even think it's close. Like he has better skills. He's made better decisions. He's a better runner. I think he's a total package. And I think I think you're just going to see it before the. Uh, it's only a matter of time. Do we leave anything out? From the college football world?
0: I mean we didn't really touch on Oklahoma It's one of the top teams there but I mean the the, they haven't done the Tulane yet. game was kind of weird to be honest Yeah with you. you know my
2: bo- my boy uh, Dusty 100. my boy Dusty called the game and uh, he was saying it was weird and it was a weird circumstance because Tulane moved they moved the game to Norman I guess there were only like 20,000 people at the game it was a noon kickoff it was kind of lethargic but I I don't know Spencer Rattler to me is a tough One to judge. He was a little bit careless with the football, similar to the way he was last year. And he has like this vibe about him, like where nothing bothers him almost to a fault. Like, whatever. Like, I'm fine. He's a little bit too careless. Like, I I worry about Spencer Rattler as the guy to lead the team to the national championship. You've got to. Can't worry about being cool or how you're looking when you're on the field. You gotta you gotta roll through teams like that early in the season. And if he gets cute, one of these teams are gonna clip him just like they did last year, whether it was Kansas State or Iowa State, somebody's gonna clip him.
0: I think we covered most of it. I, I don't think we left out. We not to,
2: right, so I, I have a question for it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't can gonna ask you, about Florida State,
2: but Well, okay, we can do that after. Do you, so can you be considered the super conference, because you added Oklahoma and Texas, like, oh, this great addition. But then at the same time, like Arkansas beats one of those teams that was supposed to make you a super team, and Arkansas is the bottom dweller in the West. Like, Can both of those things be true? Or are you now just adding two teams with one being exceptional and the other being eh, another team?
0: So basically the goal of this concept is, can we find a way to not give the SEC credit for adding two teams that you think probably makes it even, like the gap is even wider, as wide as it's been?
2: I just, it doesn't make sense to me where they're all like, yeah, welcome to the SEC. Well, yeah, well that means you're not welcoming a great team. They just lost it. Like, I thought you were doing this to make yourself stronger. Like, are you really doing that?
0: So you would you would argue then if Texas went to the ACC, you'd be like, whatever. We already have fit. <laughs> you would say that. This is, where, this is where you tweeted that out today. And then I pointed out that you ate up every UCLA dumping on LSU tweet. Uh, you loved every moment of it. And I would say if Chip Kelly weren't the coach, I would have been a little harsher about it. Because I think if you're doing the get the gat dance after you win your first regular season game, or second for UCLA and LSU was doing it at the White House just slightly different different yes. parameters there um, but you loved all the UCLA content you couldn't get enough of it and now you're telling me that you don't like the welcome to the SEC Texas stuff because Arkansas ran them over by the it way. it was uh, it was ugly it was and now Sark like it's a second game Austin. okay yeah here's what I'm telling you uh it's a second game we can make all the Texas jokes you want. I just refuse to believe that Texas now is just going to be, you know, forgive me here. I'm just trying to pick a, a bit. I, forgi- I I just I don't think Texas is going to be UNC football now for the next 20 years. And I know it's been a really long time. I mean, somebody was making the argument today that like Texas has got it right once in how many decades with Mac. Um I just, I can't believe that it would keep happening. And as disappointing as that game was, can we give Sark, I don't know, a month? Can we give him a season? You know, can we oh. give him a season? I, I I swear to God, the Tess, Texas is back thing after the Notre Dame game, which remember we were doing the show and I was like, yep. cut that up. And I said, guys, we need to play this. Like we were the originators of the, of the Texas is back sound. I used to hit it all the time. We'd have Tess on. And I would just randomly hit it, but Tess loved it. That made it, and then Ellinger after they beat Georgia and be like, "Hey, guess what? Like that's made it worse." And I guess I'll look at like a USC going through all their problems and your squad and Florida State going through all their. I mean, pick pick the brands that continue to have these long droughts. I don't know what people want them to do. They're not going to just stop playing football, right? They're going to try to figure it out. And so far, two weeks in for Sark, this is not what you wanted.
2: Their win total was eight and a half. Let's see where they finish. They're probably around an eight-win team when it's all said and done. You know, I'm surprised they lost the way they lost, but they got a lot of work to do. Should we go out with a goat of the week? That was yeah, let's Rudy's do idea, right? Week.
0: No, uh, uh, it was yours originally, and um, we didn't give it enough love. And I've always, I've always <laughs> felt great shame for that. So, uh, yeah, that's you. Let's finish up with go to the week. What do you got?
2: So, go to the week. For those who maybe don't know, was a segment we did on Marcelo and Canal, and it could be anything, right? It could be go to the week. It could be, and you take it for what it is. My go to the week. You're early on this because just goat gets thrown around
0: so much now that you were like, "Who's well?" This I couldn't week's have done goat? it
2: without Greeny. I couldn't have done it without Greeny because Greeny was throwing around goat like every single show. It was like, "Oh, that was the greatest of all time, right?" That was the greatest performance. What a goat! Uh, so my goat. Uh, Greeny week- invited me on. I was on Get Up once, and he was
0: like, "No one's more plugged into the NBA than Ryan Rosillo is," and I was like, "Well, Woj definitely is." <laughs> <laughs> and he looks at you with those eyes because Greeny <laughs> can't get that pissed at you. Although he got pissed at me a couple times, which is rare. <laughs> People loved it. And you're just like, you can't introduce me as the most plugged-in NBA guy in the country because there's a there's a pretty good list of reporters that actually
2: are more plugged in than I am. But, but like, don't goat me here. And that's exactly right. what happened. Yes, exactly. All right, so my goat of the week, I'll give it to Brady Scott. Do you know who Brady Scott is? <laughs> Congratulations on the engagement. Yes. Uh, Must have been a phenomenal moment for you to get down on bended knee. Uh, at Doe Campbell Stadium right there in the end zone while the other team is celebrating what was the worst loss in Florida State history. Man, this is hard for me to discuss because I get it. Like, I get, like, congratulations. Just so people realize, Brady
0: plays for Florida State. He's a backup offensive lineman, I believe. And while he had prepped this out, I think they're beating Jacksonville State. I'm going to propose to my girlfriend, in the stadium, in front of everybody. He just went with Flew in his with it. family.
2: Oh, so flew much family, her family, family flew
0: in. So that's probably yeah. why he did it. But the the screen grabs of it are tough for your guy.
2: Well, they're tough for me. Like, And I and, I, and then there's this where Twitter isn't the real world. And everybody's like, let him do his thing. Like, this is personal. <laughs> this is his family. And then they're throwing because Coach Bowden died. And his big thing was faith, family, football. And people are like, well, I'll live by what Coach Bowden said. This is family. It's more important than football. All those things are true. But man, and it's it's weird because I don't want to just bash somebody to bash them. And I don't want to bash him or his fiance. Like it is a big moment. But how do we get to here where we let that happen? How do we have a mindset that is that detached from what just transpired in the field? Like we only lost five times, I think in four years, maybe six. So when we lost, it was devastation. Like, I don't even want to see my girlfriend. I didn't want to see my family after the game because you were devastated. Like you didn't want to do anything. We'd go back to the dorm. We'd drink, like it just drink our sorrows away. And then to just to have that little feel for what it means. And like a lot of people, Hey, maybe he's a nice guy. Maybe he's (laughs) too nice to to you right now. But like, that's the problem. Maybe Maybe that's part of the problem. Like maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe we're too nice. Maybe we don't care enough about winning and we're caring because that obviously took a lot of prep and it took a lot of thought and he did it as opposed to maybe prepping for the game. And then afterwards to like be quote tweeting at barstool and like, Hey, do you want to invite to the wedding? Like again, it was the worst loss in Florida state history. It's the first loss to an FCS opponent. And we're making light of something he did on the field. Like just lay low or like call an audible. Like there's some great rooftop bars. You could have done, like, I would have had no problem with that. Go to recess you, early. Yeah, go to table. recess. Uh, Charlie Park's new spot. Up there, beautiful spot. Like, go up there. Like, you could have had, a, still had a romantic thing. Like, that's good. But, man, it's just a tough look. And then he's got his offensive lineman buddies who are defending him. And I'm like, what are we doing? This is a massive, like, disconnect for me from the mentality. Like, and I'll ask you, what, do you think this happens at Bama? After a loss to anybody, they could lose to Auburn, like in, a, in an Iron Bowl. You think that's happening at, at Bama? You think that's happening at Ohio State? You think that's happening at Clemson? No, like it's not. That's just, that's a mentality that does not creep in. Nick Saban's chewing out his team after they blew out Miami. Like he might, he might chew out a player for doing it after a win. Like, where's your focus? When I do it after the championship game, don't do it after this game. I don't know. That's a lot of the way
0: there's a lot in there that I have to digest. The one I'm definitely pushing back on is that because he was prepping to propose to his girlfriend meant that a backup lineman couldn't prep for the game. That's ridiculous. Okay. Okay. I'm going to push back on that one. I don't know if a guy, Bam or Clemson would do it. I mean, generations, as we see people get younger and younger. That's usually what happens in science. Um, we're constantly being like, why would you go ahead and do that? I bet you there would be somebody else that would do it. I can understand it not being a great look and maybe needed the audible. Um, I, would you, if you were the offensive coordinator right now, would you demand an annulment?
2: (laughs) I, so I usually, you know, court, my wife, I usually go to her for things like this perspective. Like, let me get a grip of reality. Let me make sure I'm not being like chauvinistic or, 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 um, just, you know, not being sensitive enough. Yeah. All of it, all of it. I go to her. I said, I showed her, I'm like, she said, wait, are you serious? Like And that was my response. I haven't commented on this online. The only thing I did, I saw the picture. I was like, is this real? Like, Because I thought it was doctored. I thought it was like a Florida Gator fan trolling Florida State saying, look how bad it is. They're proposing after this loss. And then it was real. And I was like, wow. So I showed Court and she's like, I can't believe that happened after that game. So she's on my side, is all I would like to say. It is typically the offensive lineman that get whipped, though. Man, they just... (laughs) Uh I'm a little bit of a loss for words. I don't even
0: know they're where big else to go with it. Their their you know? pool is smaller than yes. the, the rest of the other players. They're big yes. they're big guys and and like does it matter?
2: Hottest. No, yeah. like that's where I'm I don't want to rip him. I'm just You kind of just I'm, did for five minutes. Straight. But I'm surprised we're here. I'm surprised this is where we are at Florida State. But it is what it is, and that's where we are at Florida State. You were on every morning. Let's get a plug for the radio show again. Yes, Sirius XM, ESPNU Radio, uh, Channel 84 with Dusty Dvorak, 7 to 10.
0: Eastern. Yep. Uh, always good to catch up. I appreciate you jumping in throughout the season, man. Looking forward to You're it. You're the best. See ya. This episode is brought to you by Viore. It's time to ditch your old work outfit. Seriously, just let them go and try Viore clothing instead. Their active wear is unbelievable. Sometimes I wear it and I go, do I look too good. I don't want to be at this peak level of awesomeness in their joggers every single day. This is going to be hard to maintain, but that's what the joggers do for you. Whether you're sort of business cash, whether you're just around the house, whether you're working out, whether you're getting on a plane and you're going to be in your seat for a long time, the joggers just give you a hug for the entire flight. It's soft. It's comfortable. You're never going to want to take them off incredible versatility you can wear it while taking part in different kinds of exercises running training swimming yoga and more viore yoga class that just makes sense the sunday jogger is the number one go-to and of course the core short out now get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet our listeners get 20 percent off their first purchase at viore.com slash ryan r-y-e-n that's v-u-o-r-i.com slash ryan This episode is brought to you by Bi. It's Wonder Water. So I was wondering what made Bi so great, and it's actually pretty simple. Bi has antioxidants, electrolytes, and no artificial sweeteners, and the flavors are delicious. For me, it has to be Bi Zambia Bing Cherry. So for flavorful hydration, choose Bi. It's Wonder Water. Learn more about Bi and discover all of the exotic bold flavors at drinkbi.com.
2: You want details? Bi. I drive a Ferrari. 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required.
0: Okay, let's do a couple life advice to set the tone for the weekend here. Lifeadvicerr at gmail.com. Good to have Kyle back. Kyle, checking in. How are we? Good. A couple flights in a couple days. Always sucks, but I'm back. Feels good to, to be, be back. back. back what's yeah. the next trip? Not for a while, right? Just Not for a out. while. Yeah. Right. Sounds good. Thinking about you. All right, here we go. My fiance and I are about to move internationally for her to pursue a master's degree. Well. Look at you. Uh, when we both graduated from undergrad, I knew what I wanted to do and went and got my master's while she worked and supported me, paid for around 90% of rent, utilities, food, et cetera. All right. That is a 90-10 split support on her side. We agreed that when she went to pursue her master's that I would do the same for her. I have no issues covering all the necessities of living in full or any activities we do together. My problem is she recently brought up she also wants some kind of stipend for her own personal spending. Uh that wasn't anything that happened while I was doing my master's. Those are two sentences for you, huh? Um, part of this is because most of my master's happened during the pandemic. So there wasn't much personal spending to do, but it wasn't something which happened pre pandemic either. My issue with the stipend question is that I'm going to have to start paying off student loans and would like to start accumulating some savings to have a start on paying for things like a wedding house, emergency funds. And I don't really have anything like that. My father or my family isn't in a great position to be giving me a pile of money. All right. So we're not backed by the family here. In addition, she has about 8% of our liquid assets. My argument is that she should pay for her own expenses. Uh, She says she really wants to experience the new place we'll be living and so do I, but I don't think I should have to be on the hook for stuff she wants to go and do on her own. I know it's a long explanation. Actually, you should see some of our emails. This is pretty efficient so far. Uh, I wanted to give you as full a picture as possible. Let me know what your take is. Wow. I don't know if this is a big deal, a huge deal, or not a big deal at all. Okay, um, as you point out, you didn't get a stipend, did you? Ask and where are you turned down. I don't know what your spending habits are. It appears if you're already thinking about other things and, and wanting to save, and they're going to be paying off the student loans, that um, you know there's 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 little things I'm picking up for this that you have some sort of financial responsibility and that you're not just out of control here. Um, I would also say like, if you guys are going to get married, whatever the stipend is, isn't there a pretty good chance? Like at this point, it's all sort of your money anyway. And that you'd be paying for dinners and you'd be paying for experiencing this new place. if, If you're trying to do it in somewhat of a budget to worry about the rest of the stuff, um, you're going to marry her by all accounts. Right? So I don't, I don't know if this is a, draw a line in the sand type of thing. I think it's a weird request because my guess would be like whatever some of those personal spending things would be because she not allowed to buy a shirt. Had she not had the stipend? Like, I don't know what that relationship is. Like what if she charges a shirt and a handbag on something? Is it like, is it a huge argument or is the stipend for these items that, you know, again, they make us feel better in short bursts. And then you see the handbag in your closet six months later and you're like, you know, that didn't solve any problems. Um, yeah, I mean, you could do something weird and be like, all right, yeah, that's no problem. we we'll do a stipend, but we're probably not going to be able to get married for you know, a couple more years now. Like whatever we thought our start <laughs> date of marriage and all that was, we may have to delay that a little bit because of the student loans and your stipend. Um, if she's big into the wedding and wanting to marry you, that might be a tactic you could use there. I guess I just don't like the formality of it, but I don't want to be completely dismissive of her either. I just don't understand why would she need a stipend when chances are. This is, she's the one that has eighty percent of your liquid assets, and you're supposed to get this. This feels so transactional and so business like, and maybe this is the way you guys like it. That it almost feels a little cold. Um, but I don't know if you're planning on marrying this person. If it's worth that much of an argument, if we're talking about what I don't know, a thousand bucks a month, five hundred bucks a month for the stipend. I mean, it's probably not a thousand if you guys are both students. Um, I don't know what kind of money you're pulling down, but is it enough? Of is the dollar amount high enough? To start an argument, where now maybe you don't have to spend for a wedding at all, would be the calculus that I think you have to put yourself through. Kyle, do you ever do you ever give a girl a stipend? Uh, I, I, def- I Kyle, <laughs> wait, I could definitely see you as a guy that like picked up a girl's car payment after like dating for four months.
3: Um, I did a thing with a phone, and I regretted it later. You know, she was like, "Oh, I just need." Like we were like a couple months in, and she was like, "I just gotta get this phone, and nobody wants to help me." And I was like, "I think this is where I'm supposed to loan you a hundred dollars to fix your phone." Um, and it turns out it wasn't a loan. I found out later it was to give me a new phone screen. So that was about as as far in as I've ever gotten with something like that. Assuming that wasn't a long term relationship. No, it was one of those white hot summer things. Nice. Do you want to further explain what a white hot summer is? Actually, I wish I didn't say it that way. Now that you said it, it doesn't sound as good as it was in my head.
1: <laughs>
0: no, it's, no. Actually, I thought it sounded amazing. I just want more clarity.
3: Wasn't well, white hot supposed to be like the like one of the hottest hots? Isn't that what they say? Like there's blue, like the blue flame is hot, but the white flame is the hottest flame. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be back guys <laughs> it's good to have you man
0: <laughs> uh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna say you know what let's get let's get the flame chart out here
1: so this was a medium hot summer fling
0: yeah i had a kind of a blue hot fall
1: I God. Blue. God damn it was God star because i the, you remember they used to teach it in like science class about all the stars right and i always thought blue was the hottest
0: Oh, I don't know. Uh let's see here. Uh-oh,
3: blue might be it. Mm. Well, maybe it went it was blue before the phone thing and maybe it turned white after the phone. <laughs> Got notched down a level. Yeah, yeah. Uh
1: yeah, I don't
0: Obviously all my charts are in Kelvin, which mm. isn't going to help most of the listeners. Instead of colors, yeah. Yeah. What color is the hottest flame?
1: 'Cause like oddly enough, I think red is is the least hot. Yeah, I know. I knew a lot that. Of that's why yeah. that's why I didn't say red hot summer. Yeah, that blows uh, your mind when you're a kid. I got a chart right here. Great. I don't know if this is Calvin or whatever, but Kelvin. it goes from least to least hottest to most hottest is red, orange, yellow, uh like a off like a lighter yellow, white light blue, and then like a dark blue is the hottest. Yeah,
3: it wasn't the hottest summer ever. I'd say white hot. Is, is, so white apt. hot is a medium summer. White would actually be in the middle. It wouldn't be in the middle. You named like four colors before you got to white. There was only three different shades of blue at the end. It's, that's it's all right. third from I stand the hottest. By it. I stand by it. Yeah, it was a phone. It wasn't a car. Blue flame summer. At the time though, it definitely felt like it could have been a car. It's like a hundred bucks. I mean, most of the things that I was buying, I could buy at least two of them with a with hundred bucks. So
0: I had a buddy who was like a lock for after a couple months of sleeping with a girl, he would be taking over their car payment. Yeah. And he was not positioned financially to be doing any of that kind of stuff. And then he would bitch about breaking up and he'd be like, you know. But I actually, now that I'm older and more removed from it, I realized I think it was some form of control. So yeah. even though he was not, I mean, look, I'm like, oh, hey, thanks, Dr. Russillo. Um He liked to do it because that way it felt like they had a hard time getting away from him which is something almost every woman that hung out with him wanted to get away from for a while. I mean, I remember he had this one disastrous, disastrous relationship. She wasn't even a legal citizen. She was on her way out. He had some family money, but I don't know that the family was in a hurry to give him any of it. So it wasn't like he was living that way. He wasn't living large by any sense. Of the, but he just was into her. And, uh, you know, she would say stuff like, take me to the mall. You have to buy me something. And he'd be like, All right, whatever. It was always i just be like, this is the worst. This was not with one of my high peak uh living situations, obviously. And <laughs> you know, she wasn't nice enough to the rest of us, but it was always a bit of there was always some drama around it. And then he finally got his car fixed. She didn't have a car. He said he should <laughs> so she left the first day he got his car back on the road after paying for repairs. She crashed it. And then she had to leave the scene because she wasn't legal. And she came back to the apartment, and then he had to go and pretend it was him or something oh, for the insurance, no. and it was like he had like legal problems too. I mean, the whole thing he was just one of those guys, but whenever I think of like guy who takes over whoever he's dating car payment i would I would always think of him, but Kyle, i don't I think you're doing better than that guy is, so don't i don't yeah focus. and yeah. For,
3: and and for this guy, it's like I wonder if it's better that she just came straight out and asked him because I've also been in relationships where like like past relationships where girls would just talk about how they have money troubles and they don't have it in them to be like, do you think I could borrow 50 bucks or do you think I could borrow $100 throw in my tank? Like it would just, all of our time would be the complaining about, oh, there's no fucking gas in my car. Oh my God, I don't know what I'm gonna do about this payment or oh this. And and it's like, that's our whole time together. And it's like, you clearly want me to say, well, hold on, I'll save you. Maybe it's better that she is just like, listen, I'm gonna need some money. Do you think I could, do you think I could just have some?
1: (laughs) wouldn't wouldn't like the middle ground though be you know it doesn't have to be a stipend he could just say you know all right within reason buy what you need put it on a card and then you could sort of monitor what those spending things are if it's out of control and you can have a conversation but if it's not that big of a deal there's no reason to make a big deal out of it if it's only like a couple hundred bucks that she's spending because i don't think he specified like how much money she wanted right right
0: so it's not that bad
1: it's not worth starting a fight over it's
0: just so transactional you know it what is. I mean? It just feels like, what are you guys, both accountants? Like, what's going on here?
1: And Sometimes that there's that awkward period before you get married where, like, you kind of know you're heading in that direction, but you don't really know if you should have one bank account yet. Like, it's, it is it is kind of odd. So maybe they're yeah. just in that period.
3: Maybe they're already, she's already doing his laundry. Maybe they're already shitting with the door open. They're just not married. So they don't have a, a bank account that's together. And she's like, can since it's already going to be this way now, can we just, I don't know. It's strange. I wonder if she used the word stipend or if that's his description of it.
0: What, what, so what's your money situation, Suri, with the wife? Like, I mean, look, I know your wife and I know she, I know you guys are both so just like your tempo is a very manageable tempo as a couple. You're both that individually. So I can't imagine this was, was too much of a deal. And I also don't think you'd be like, actually, my wife kind of, that's the one thing I don't like about her. She sucks. I I, I don't think you would say that. Suck a nerve there. (laughs) Uh, I just, this seems solvable, but I don't like it is what I would say about the email. So I, mean, I don't know. Give me give me a sense. How do you do it? You're the biggest grown up on the podcast, which is embarrassing to myself, but go for it. No, forward. I
1: mean, we so we bought a house before we were even engaged. Um, we just knew Jeez. where the where the relationship was headed. Like I think this guy is in the same situation. Um I don't remember exactly what I I mean, we definitely had separate bank accounts. Like we didn't have a joint bank. We don't actually have a joint bank account now. I don't think. Uh, I mean, she has access to mine, but we still have separate bank accounts even when we're married because, you know, you get paid, you know, from our different employers that way. But uh, she handles most of the finance, to be honest with you. And I just kind of sit back and trust her for the most part. But there is there is sort of like a weird thing of do you or do you not when you know it's headed in that direction? How early do you kind of combine funds and see where it's at? We never went through that problem, but I know plenty of my friends have.
0: Yeah. Plenty of my friends have. And you just go, wait. And then, I don't know. Like, I know that I would probably have a hard time just being like, yeah, get whatever you want. (laughs) Like, just spend, spend. But then, you know, the counter is like, well, if we're starting a family, I'm having your kids, then go for it. You know, I couldn't imagine being in a relationship where I look at some of my friends who are basically like on an allowance. You know, I'll be like, what do you mean? Like, you can't get your money. Like, well, no, I'm only allowed to have like so much. I'm like, well, what did it, you do? Like, do you have a gambling problem I didn't know about or something like that? She's like, no, she just wants to make sure that, you know, and I'd be like, wait, but you're working and she isn't, and she's in charge of the money and you're only allowed a certain amount and you haven't done anything horribly financially to the family. They're like, no, just the way she likes it. I'd be like, <laughs> I would be in a van by Friday. <laughs> like, I just, there's no way. There's just no way. Uh, Sometimes now, I think
1: f- dudes like that structure. I'm not saying I do, but you I, know I, what? I, I think there you're are guys right. that like that structure. And yeah. it's odd. I, I don't, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It wouldn't be for me. Like I like to have financial freedom and my wife and I, we don't like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and like, you know, criticize her about purchases she makes and she doesn't criticize me about purchases I make or give me an allowance to tell me how much I can spend. We both kind of know like, if, Hey, that's probably not a great purchase, but some guys like to have the, like their wife control. Sort of their finances, even if they're the, like, kind of the breadwinner in the relationship, and vice versa.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't really have a great answer for this one, other than it's, it's concerning. But if all of the other stuff is great, and she just wants a little walking around money, and it's not going to ruin you, it's all going to be each other's money. Mu- if everything's going to go well, all the money is both of your money anyway. So, you know, I know you feel like, hey, I'm now supporting her the way she supported me, but I didn't have the stipend. I mean, how about you? Could, maybe you could just look at it this way. Hey, she supported you when you were going through it. Now you have to support her. You didn't get a stipend, she did. I, you know, if, is it going to break you? Is it going to break you? Like, I'm on your side here a little bit. I get your point. It feels a little annoying, but is it so annoying? Is it worth? Like, there's just going to be stuff that you come across in a relationship where you just go, um, "All right, this is the one thing I don't love, but I like the rest of it. I like the rest of it. All right." Let's yeah see. try
3: to try to work out a favorable stipend i think is probably you're probably going to do the stipend <clears throat> <side>. so, <laughs> just try what to work you, it out so it's not terrible
0: maybe we don't know maybe there's just three of us are oblivious to the stipend world out there in relationships that'd be great if you meet somebody and be like what are your goals do you want a family what do you think a, a fair stipend would be I <laughs> like what? i
3: just hope <laughs> she didn't say the word stipend i hope that's him like reflecting on it like she wants a fucking
0: stipend i just think they're so they seem so matter of fact about the financial part of it but i, I like the wedding threat because if she wants the wedding be like yeah that's cool we'll get you a stipend but we're not gonna get married for like just no four or five years now instead of three but that's cool i'm down with that <laughs> <laughs> or you could say hey aren't isn't your dad supposed to pay for the wedding or you know what don't spend 100 grand on a wedding A hundred grand is high, but the number, the number that people spend on weddings and being accepted, I, even at a young age, had I gotten married, I would have been like, let's keep this small and have a house down payment. How about that idea? But you know, most men lose that argument too. All right, here we go. Uh, one more here. This one's a little dicey. Five down 165. I've been dating a girl for two plus years. Uh, things have been going really well. Met her through a mutual friend. We really hit it off. Things have gotten serious to the point where I spend my holidays with her and her family recently. We're both in our early thirties. I think she might be the one. One issue that came up a couple months ago while I was in a month long lockdown, I was browsing some adult websites (laughs) and came across, came across pictures of my girlfriend online. No way. By accident. Hmm. Just by accident. There's a lot of content out there. And you happen to see the girl that you are thinking about marrying the first photo i saw was a mirror selfie of herself in her underwear she looked a lot younger in the photo my guess was taken while she was in college i was pretty surprised by this as she had recently she's been really conservative the entire time i've known her not one to post sexy revealing photos on social media or anything that doesn't mean anything but i get your point so being curious i reverse searched the photo Oh, we got it. like neve and max over here on the case I reverse searched the photo to my shock and horror. I got a lot of results back on Google in total. There were 15 photos of her with another guy all taken on the same day. I assume you could tell by the lighting and costume that it was all on the same day. Uh, 15 explicit photos. I know this could have been a vengeful ex leaking the photos online after they broke up and it could have been a pretty traumatic experience for her. But every now and then I get the nagging curiosity no more. You think, you think you get a little curious every now and then, uh, like, who was that guy? Why were they posted online? Why were not they taken down all these years? I was easily able to report the photos to Google and have them taken off their search engine. So my question is, should I ask her about it? Should I just forget and never think of it again? I've never told anyone. All right. Um, he said, keep the personal details out. What? Wait a minute. What personal details were in here? He, maybe I, he's just being extra careful. He's just being extra careful. That's okay. Do you think we're vague enough to this point? Now I'm worried so. for our
3: guy. I think.
1: No Man. names, no locations. We're, I don't know. We're, we're no. good. No, if
3: you've no, I mean, been I'm dating not... for two years, listen up. This could be you. I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Everyone in the country that's been dating for two years. He's on to it. He's on to it. And Australia.
3: Big Australia crowd.
0: Right. And Australia. Yeah, it's not. This is not Australian, Or maybe it is. This one is tough because it's going to gnaw at you. I mean, you emailed us and you were, I think, being nice and downplaying. Say, I think about it every now and then. I'm sure you think about it often. Um, the part where you got him taken down is cool. Uh, maybe we can get to that a little bit later. I don't know that you're ever really going to be able to ask her about this. I don't. Because um, it's going to be horrifying for her when you do. And you have to ask yourself, like, what, what explanation is going to make you feel better? About this, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's the vengeful ex. Hey, we took photos when you're younger. Whatever, not a big deal. And then he posted them. Or what if she says, "Yeah, like I did this and got paid, and I didn't like it." Um. Or what if there's more? I'm not trying to freak you out here, man. So, I mean, there's one answer where it's the the nasty ex, and then you're kind of the hero here, where you'll feel a little bit better about it. But, um, I don't. You have to think of like, she's probably never going to tell you anything about this because why would she? Like, no one's going to feel better. Like, hey, what's up? Just, you know, before we get married, I want to let you know that, you know, I had this photo shoot where, you know, I was with this guy and basically, you know, it's everything you would think it would be. Um, just wanted to get that out of the way. And then no, no guy would be like, that's so cool. That's interesting. Tell me. I mean, look, there are other some guys that would do that. Yeah, there are there probably are. It's, it's not a higher number than 50%. Um, that would, you know, you you just start thinking like, wait, what's going on? I don't know. I, I just don't think you could be all that judgmental. You know, I always joke that at some point we're going to have, you know, a, a primary where we have dick pics of like the 12 guys running for president, hoping to get the party nomination. <laughs> um, hell, we we're pretty close to that. Not that long ago, but I, I don't really know what you can do here. I mean, I know it's going to at you a little bit, but if this is somebody that's that important to you, this could be like a relationship altering deal. Um, even though you didn't really do anything wrong, but you've got to kind of think about how she would react. Like if this were reversed, I don't know. I think it's a little different male, female, but if it were reversed, like, think how tough that conversation would be for you. So, um, I probably wouldn't bring it up, but maybe I'm wrong. I'm, I'm freely willing to admit here, I might be wrong about this. But if all the rest of the stuff, as we always kind of say, like all the other stuff is really good here, um, and you got them taken down and everything else like that, and nobody else knows and all that kind of stuff, like I don't know that I would. I would bring it up because that's the other thing too. Is like it's not like you're being judgmental. I wouldn't be judgmental about it. And be like, oh, okay, that's kind of that's a little different. But the pictures got out where you know just a lot of people doing stuff where. You know there's a good chance if you're dating somebody you know and you're in your thirties, there's a pretty good chance another guy has a picture of your future wife um that is that is let's just say uh a bit revealing all right that there's a pretty good certainty now with technology that that's something that's happened and you think of gmail about, right you you can think about it all the time or you can
1: just accept that it's kind of normal now and um, yeah but the yeah. difference is it's not on the internet though right like that picture wouldn't be on the internet Did, are we sure of course or, not are we sure see i'm, I'm kind of surprised like i don't know kyle you weigh into here but i i actually would go the other way i would say one if this is going to eat at you like it seems like it is eating at you are you going to marry someone and have this kind of hang over your relationship and you're going to be thinking about it for you know 50 plus years or something um I don't know if you're comfortable with that, then okay. But if you're not, like, just know that it's probably going to be in the back of your mind for a while if you don't confront her about it. And also, if she doesn't know the pictures are online, shouldn't shouldn't you confront her and tell her that, hey, this is a thing, and I I, I took care of it. I don't I don't know. Like, I, I feel like that you would be doing her a favor by telling her. Maybe she doesn't even know that those pictures were posted.
0: You know what? Yeah, uh, the the two things you said. The first thing, I think, fifty years would be a long time to not get over it. Um, I, I think eventually <laughs> I mean, you it probably. Just- <laughs> Think, Clearly he's, but I no, mean, your second part, though, Suri, you've already changed my mind. You've already changed my mind. I, I look, I, I think it could be really, I think it could go really bad. But you're also right. If you care about this person, you're like, hey, you need to know this. I'm not judging you. I'm not asking you. Maybe this is the angle that you go with it. I'm not judging. I'm not asking me though you are asking. And you want to know who this dude is. Um, but you need to know that this is something that I saw. You're also going to have to say like, hey, it got a little lonely. During a stretch during COVID. So, you know, whatever, she probably understands that already. Um, I saw these pictures there of you. I had them taken down, but I want you to know that they were out there in case there's any sort of thing that you need to know about this because, you know, this is you and I care about you. So I think, yeah, actually, Saruti, you've changed my mind about it, but it could also go really bad. Right? Would we agree on yeah.
1: that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely. Um, although I, I, I don't think you're a dick for bringing it up. I really don't. I don't think, you know, she,
0: she might think you are
1: is the possibility there i think i think it's within your reason to to ask a question of a picture that you saw of someone that you think you know and I, I just don't think he's being a dick or wrong or mean i think he's just asking a valid question and he's also bringing it up because he doesn't even know if you know it's out there so i get why she would be mad but i don't know if it would be warranted you know i think i think it's a fair conversation for the guy to bring up kyle i,
3: I, don't, I don't know I think uh, you both made good points Uh, on the, on Ryan's original point. I was just thinking there's a ton of stuff that I never, ever want to go over with the person I'm with now. And I never, ever, ever want to go over it. So um, that it it could be one of those situations where you bring it up and she's like, yeah, I was never, ever going to discuss this with you. This was before we were together. And I mean, that sucks that this is on the internet and, but I really don't want to talk about it with you. Or it could be like you said, it's like, Hey, listen, I'm like, if if you ever see some crazy shit about me on the internet, I would hope that um you would tell me. So and there's honestly <laughs> both both ways to look at this. And I'm I'm the guy in both situations here. So same thing for you guys. If you guys ever see some crazy shit about me, you know, you could tell me. But, so you're um,
0: saying, Kyle, you have a bunch of stuff where you just sort of tuck it into your anger pouch. <laughs> um my anger pouch, you said. Yeah, like this would clearly bother you a lot, but you wouldn't, you would, you would go with the path of, I'm just going to stew on this for eternity or as long as I'm with this person.
3: No, I don't think so. That's why I agree with both of you. I'm just saying like, if the, if it was this girl and like, for me, it would be more of a story than like a picture. There's not really a lot of incriminating evidence around there, but you know, if she was like, Hey, did this happen when you were in college? I'd be like, what? How do you know that? And I'm super embarrassed about that. and, what the how do you know that? Like, tell me now how you know that. So I don't know. I think it could be like I'm just thinking if it's a similar feeling, if she's like, wait, what are you talking about? But there's right a huge that happened a, eight years ago. Like, I don't know. But there's a
1: huge difference between like stories and someone's relationship and
3: sexual past and something that's posted are out online. I yeah. get you. I'm just saying the facts are out there. The you facts know, I'm not are, you were in this position about- at some point, And I was in a certain position at some point as well, too. I don't know. That's all I'm saying. Like if you're dating someone, I'm not interested in talking about their past
1: relationships or sexual endeavors. Like that's on I am just not interested in it. But if it's in your face and you've seen physical, visual evidence of it, that's a different story.
3: That's why I'm saying you have a good point as well. I don't know. I'm not giving any advice. I think there's two things. Surudi, I think your
0: approach should be like, Hey, I found this. I'm I'm I took it down. I, but I need you to know about it as your entree into the conversation is the best advice of anything that was given out on this topic. So Sarudy wins a spirit award for today, even though I think it could go bad. All right. I think it could go bad or maybe the initial part will be really bad and there'll be a cooling off of a day or 24 hours or whatever, and then you'll get to it. Maybe you'll get some of those answers and you know, whatever, maybe you become closer because of it. Um, but just be careful, but just be careful that you may get some answers that you don't really like. And then that can change some things too. I think the other question to end the podcast is, is Kyle telling a Suri that he did pose nude for money at some point?
1: <laughs> there's definitely something going on there. There's something in the ether that I'm nervous about. <laughs>
3: definitely not. Say. Definitely not. And it's a story I won't ever say on Life Advice ever, ever, ever. There's actually a couple, but there's like, my friends will get drunk and they start saying it. And it's like, hey, that guy wasn't there. You're telling the story and that guy knows it now. So now like the... <laughs> The web of the people circle, that yeah. know some of these stories have grown a couple times, and like you know, on a couple like post-college get-togethers, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa! This was like a story that seven people knew, and now I'm thinking it's more like thirteen over the last couple of years. So, you know, it's like one of those things. That's all I mean. Are you sure there's no physical evidence?
0: I'm sure. I'm 100 sure. I'm not 100 percent comfortable continuing this anymore for
1: Kyle's behalf. Like, I'm.
0: Yeah, no, we is, won't. We won't. It not Down a road that I It won't time. happen. It won't happen. <laughs> My God, man, who are you? Uh, And we're proud of you, too. We're proud of you, but it's thanks. There's uh, I don't know, man. You are you are Christmas 365, man. All right. uh, Please subscribe to the podcast. Thank you, as always, to honest Kyle and Saruti, mature Saruti. Uh, on the podcast we got Vilma next week we got uh, the guests the guests have been awesome Allison's been great working with us uh, as well so a lot of thanks to her but we are we are positioned even better than we were last football season so um really thrilled for all the stuff that we have coming your way see you monday